This meeting is being recorded. Okay, Parshas Bamidbar. It's also um, a week before Shavuos. So actually, Parshas Bamidbar almost always, I, think, I don't know if it always or almost always falls out right before Shavuos. So there's a lot of messages in um, Parshas Bamidbar that are very uh, appropriate for Shavuos. I want to start out with one famous one, which is famous, but I don't know if it's so famous, the connection of Parshas Bamidbar to Shavuos. So it says in Parshas Yisro, which is my Bar Mitzvah Parsha, which discusses the, the story of Shavuos, the story of the Jews getting the Torah, which was 3,335 years ago, almost. And... You know, one of the right in the when the Torah discusses when the Jews were camped at, at the foot of Mount Sinai. So famously, it says, "Vayichan Sham Yisrael Negadahor." The Jewish people camped there, opposite the mountain. Rashi, all the commentators point out, you're talking about three million people, and it says that in a singular form that he camped. So why it's saying he camped? It's three million people, whatever it was. So Rashi quotes the Gemara that the Jews were, how were they ready? You know, we know the whole time between Pesach and Shavuos at the time by the Exodus, and now also is a time of of spiritual preparation. So what was the final level which made it that the Jews were totally prepped? We know, let's say, for a surgery, you have to prep. For different exams, you have to prep. What was the prep, the ultimate prep that the Jews needed to have before getting the Torah on Mount Sinai was that they were actually one. That's why it says that he camped, because he refers to all the Jews were probably the only time in Jewish history they were ke'ish echad belev echad. They were like one man, one heart. There was absolute unity, which is incredible. Um, we say that, you know, one of the reasons they were able to get to that point was in a purpose, when, it, when a group of people have a clarity of purpose, then they don't get sidetracked by the things that bring people apart. When people get along, when you have, let's say, a friends or family that get along, and I'm not saying there aren't extreme situations, but usually it's because the people there, people involved, are able to stay, or work hard probably to stay focused on what's important. And the more a person is able to stay focused on what's important, then they don't have discord, they have less discord, and you can get to the level of the Jewish people where you they actually achieved absolute um, unity. So that, what does that have to do? Well, in Parshat Midbar which we, we, we always uh, translated as the book is called the Book of Numbers because this week's Parsha, the Jewish people are counted. And the point was that, uh, you know, they, they, were, they, they were one big group, and they were, it, it, but it was a group that was cohesive. And that is the way to get um, 
to be ready for the for for the Torah. So how does that work though? Why is that the prep for the Torah? And you would think I need to study this or study that. So the famous thing that um, it actually we say, it says uh, in many places, and people ask specifically, why was the Torah given to the Jewish people in a desert? Why not in the middle of a, uh, of a, of a you know, some oasis? And there's a number of reasons given. And, and uh, they, they revolve around that the Torah says, the Mishnah say, I think the Gemara says, that a person needs to make themselves into a desert in order to get the Torah. So there's two explanations I'd like to share with you. The more famous one is, a desert is a humble place. Not much going on there, not much to be all excited about. A person's able to receive information when they're humble. Humility, say, humility is, if a person wants to be wise, they'll be, they'll be humble. A person humble, they're able to hear what someone else is saying and take it seriously and accept it. And that is, um, you know, that's how, and now if a person is peaceful, usually it's because they're humble. You know, if someone is all full of themselves, it's very hard to be peaceful. Another aspect of that is that what's a desert? A desert doesn't have other things there. So you're actually open. You're very open. The Torah was given in the desert to say, in order, if you want to accept the Torah, you want to hear what God has to say, you got to get away all your agendas, all your agendas, and just be open, like an open desert. You're going to go into a desert. I've been in a desert in Israel. It is, it's just open, miles and miles and miles. There's not a, you see all the stars in the sky, you can see for miles. It's, it's really cool. So the idea is getting open and being humble. And that is a way, obviously, when the Jews reached this level of being in unison, uh, a big part of that was that they achieved humility and they achieved the ability to be open. And that's why you got we got to get along because when people aren't getting along, it's a lot of it has to do, they're, they're, they have to watch out for their own honor. So it's very hard to be open, very hard not to, to not, have, not, have, not have an agenda. So when our minds and hearts are deserts, they're freed from personal agendas, then and only then wisdom will, uh, will be able to, um, to fill up. So it's interesting. So we count the Jewish people, you know, over 600,000 men between 20 and 60, you do the math, times it out, times two for the women and kids, people older, most numbers say somewhere between two and three million. And the point is to say that each and every person is, um, is, is really important, indispensable. That's how many letters there are in the Torah. We know a Torah is missing one letter, then... Uh, it's not. It's no longer able to be used. So we say, if there's one Jew missing, there's something that can't be replaced that's not there. So it's interesting though, because right after this, what do we discuss? 
He discussed the uniqueness and the special, the specialness of the Levian, the Levites. So one second. Are we saying that not everyone is the same? Are we saying that there's the Levium are more special? Is that discriminatory? By you know, by by no virtue of their own, they're uh, they're um, they're inherently better. So no, everyone is everyone's important, and like with anything in life, there's got to be roles. Different people, not everyone could do the same thing. Everyone does the same thing. It don't work. You have an assembly line, and everyone puts on tires. Everyone puts on, they puts in the engine. It is not going to work. You know, you have a house, and everyone does all the same chores. It doesn't work. There's got to be different people doing different things, and each part is important. And that is actually the way that you have unity. I know I have my 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 part. You have your part. And, and, and that's that's the way to not look down on someone else. Sometimes a person may think, well, I'm better than them. No, each person has their role, and it's different than yours. And um, that's, uh, you know, when 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 you they, they say the Shlomo Zaman Arbach, he was from the great leaders of the whole Jewish world, and probably about 30 years ago, 25 years ago, and in his shul, in Yerushalayim, you know, when they finish the, you know, when they wait after davening to start certain things, so he used to tell them to wait for a certain, the the local street cleaner. And it was, someone asked him once, why are we waiting for the street cleaner? And he said, you know, that street cleaner, he is totally devoted to beautifying the holy streets of Yerushalayim. I don't know if I... He's doing his job. Him, he, He's doing a perfect job at his job, and someone's got to do it. Now, I don't think I'm doing a perfect job at my job, said Rishon Mazalman. So that is is a way to to uh, help us value value other people. Now... One time I saw an article, it's interesting, that, one second, where did I see the article? This person who uh, wrote the article said that they one time had as a guest for Shabbos a person who had 18 brothers and sisters. That's a lot. Um, so this person who was hosting them was, was fascinated by it. He was asking him all these questions, and they really had a nice, right, nice rapport. And he got comfortable enough to ask his guest. He said, "You know what? You know, I just have to ask you. Do you do you think that your parents really um, would notice if one of you were missing?" You know, with so many, I mean, did you you really feel special? Or did you feel, you know, I'm just number 14? And the person writes in the article that he was blown away that the person said, yeah, me and and I know all my siblings, we all felt the same way, that they were loved and, and, and they were, you know, very unique. And, um... 
that it was an interesting thing. And the person with the article said, you know what, now that he had much less children, but he had, I think, six children. And he's like, yeah, I guess I feel the same way. And anyone who has children feels the same way. And the reason why it's important to think about this is because this is what God did in this week's Parsha. He counted all the Jews. Now, God is, what God is, is uh, we're all his children. And we don't have the capacity, I don't think, even though that mother and father had the capacity to, to deal with uh, and, and be available for, uh, for 19 children, but, you know, uh, there is a max. God, God doesn't, doesn't have a max. God can do anything. And he actually does care and love all of us. And the reason why that's important is because it's supposed to, and it can, if a person believes it and makes it a part of their life view, that they're really important in a healthy way. And that's really the only way. If a person hinges their importance on any particular thing or feeling or talent, ultimately it, 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 it can go away. Ultimately, you, you don't really do anything for it. So it's not going to keep your self-esteem high. What's going to keep your self-esteem healthy and high is the idea, one second, I exist. And God is taking the time every single day and arranging my life just what I need. And if a person feels like a million dollars, then they act like a million dollars. That's that's basically psychology 101. Psychology 101 is that a person, the way a person perceives themselves, and they act that way, and they treat other people that way. So, and then one time, Abshagi Nubiger, he came to Providence. The shul brought him in for a day, a Shalom Bias day. He was talking a whole Shalom Bias workshop, and I remember I've said this over so many times because it really made an impression on me. I remember that he said, you know, the most important, he says, you know, we're going to discuss today all kinds of uh, ideas for to have peace and, 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 and there's a lot of practical suggestions. But he said the most, most imp important suggestion is that um, a person has to make sure that they, they, they have good self-esteem and they value themselves. And they realize how important they are. And they, in fact, are a person who is being an honorable person. And when you do that, then you're in a position to be able to treat other people properly. And that is one of the main reasons why the Torah take, shares with us how God takes the time to count to show us how important we are. They say that's one of the ways that you inspire other people instead of ranking them out. You build them up and you say, you know, you're such a special person. You know, you can do, you, you can, you can do better or even just tell them the special and on their own. They figure out they're supposed to do better. So that's, that's really it as far as the, uh, there's a lot more, but what we'll, we'll talk about as far as the, uh, the uh, counting. So Rashi and this Parsha quotes the Talmud, Sanhedrin, it says that it says that our own sons were considered Moshe's sons. Our own sons were more famous. 
Moshe's sons, not 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 as much so. And but the Torah, when it writes it, it it seems to cons. Way it, it, it writes, it's it's t- it's talking as if our own sons were Moshe's sons. So Talmud says, if you teach someone Torah, as if you give birth to them. So I don't know how much time. So the Chavetz Chaim and Sefer Avas Chesed, Paragimol Pazik he says, you see how great it is. This is something which hopefully well, I, I can keep in my front pocket. You see from here how great in a mitzvah it is to teach Torah to someone who would not learn it otherwise. Talmud says, as if you gave birth to someone if you teach them Torah. And Chavetz Chaim, who was so famous for being kind and, and proliferating, you know, the, the idea of talking nicely to people and doing kindness, he says, you know, it's, it's such a big mitzvah, everyone knows, to give someone who needs food, who's needy, someone who doesn't have clothing, someone who doesn't have shelter, and people will write millions of dollars. And be very, very active in organizations that do that things. But he says, you know what? You know what an even greater need that every Jew has? Every Jew has spiritual needs. They, they, have, they have a need for spiritual clothing. They have a need for spiritual nourishment. They have a need for spiritual shelter. And Hosea says there's no greater kindness now, this is not obviously to, to the exclusion of a person's physical needs. A person is a is a is a is a hybrid of, of physical and spiritual. So, not to put that down, but that's part of loving someone. I've had this discussion many times. People ask me, "What is product Shorish after? What am I after? What are?" A lot of times you see, you know, more involved Jews wanting to share their Judaism. And I'm not saying there aren't people who haven't fine-tuned the art. It takes a lifetime of work. People aren't perfect. But generally speaking, it, it comes from a place of love. I care about you. I care about you. And if I care about you, the same way if I had a million dollars that belonged to you, I would kind of like if you I would I would kind of push it on you if you if, if you'd be resistant. Um, I, I I want you to have this amazing gift that belongs to you. Now obviously you have to do it with wisdom. If you do something in an unpleasant way, no one's gonna be interested in it. So, you know, I'm not I'm not putting that aside. But the number one thing you have to realize is that it is it is if a person cares about someone they will want to think of a way to possibly share something of value which that person is uh, is is missing. So when we talk about loving your neighbor, it's it's not just about love. And in fact, sometimes, certainly as when someone you have influence on or someone you're responsible for, you know, a, a love can take the can take the form of 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 not being of not being always Mr. Nice Guy. Being a little bit more assertive, you care about someone, you might say something to them which you care about their soul. 
uh, you might say something to them, which uh, may, may, not, may not feel so good at the moment. But if a person feels that you care, they'll usually be receptive. And if you, and if you do care, they'll probably say it in a way that is caring. Um, famous idea in the Parsha, the concept of Yisachar and Zvulun. The Torah lists the two tribes, Yisachar and Zvulun, it, it uh, doesn't use what they typically would use, a letter Vav to connect them. Letter Vav in Hebrew is and, although Vav in Hebrew is also a hook. So it basically indicates that these two tribes were connected at the hip. They were one, and they were one. They had the famous idea called a Yisachar-Zevulon partnership, which essentially what these two tribes made. Yisachar was was particularly good at studying Torah, and the tribe of Zevulon was particularly good at business, and they made a deal that we're going to fully support you, and you're going to do the Torah, we'll do the business, and we split we split the, um, we, we share, it's a joint venture. We're getting money and we're sharing the spirituality of it. And today that's concept is talk when, you know, when, when Torah institutions uh, raise money, so often they'll employ, um, you know, a sucker Zavulan campaign. Now the truth is like this, most sucker Zavulan campaigns are really not like completely um, shared joint ventures. There is a way to do it. Um, but it's interesting, the concept that I can really appreciate what you're doing for me, and you can really appreciate what I'm doing for you, and we can really feel that bond. And if you appreciate other people, that brings closeness. Uh, that's why Judaism is such a major, crucial, uh, found bedrock of Judaism is um, is the concept of Hakar Sato, recognizing the good, simply to recognize the good. You know, most of us are pretty good when we're feeling thankful, thanking other people, to thank. But what often is challenging, especially if you really owe someone something, is to recognize that, that good. I was talking to someone this morning about a challenging situation they were in, and they, they they were saying that you know you know they recognize that people are good, and they recognize they're in a situation where people where, where the, the the people that were frustrating them, it it, it was as simple as they just didn't feel that people even noticed the good that this person was doing, and uh, it's not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of work. So here you have the Jewish people. They're getting ready to travel in the desert, and they, every tribe had their flags. And the Torah takes a lot of time to delineate the formation, where, where which tribe you know, stood next to which tribe, and who with who, and this and that. A little bit wordy and unusual why the Torah takes all the time to do that. And during this piece, Rashi points out that Moshe whatever this means, was nervous. He was nervous. Because he's like, you know, this formation system is, is just, uh, you know, who people are going to think who's in front, who is the last, you know, you know, well, it can become a big thing. People like, you know, they want their spot. So Hashem, Sarashi so says, Hashem tells him, 
Don't worry. This formation, you know, they everyone is going to be okay with their with their jobs. Why? Because this was the formation that Yaakov, hundreds of years earlier, when he was getting ready to pass away, and his and these people's great great grandparents, the twelve tribes themselves, the actual twelve sons of Jacob, were carrying the body to Israel from Egypt. So they Yaakov had set the formation up, and the idea that Yaakov did, he wanted it to be that 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 the Jewish people that would would know that these are marching orders from from Yaakov. Because he didn't, he and he and he had a whole rationale behind it, because he recognized, at the time, certainly when they were burying a body, when people are a little bit stressed, and in the future as well, the a person needs to stay civil when they're pressured, and that's what that's what uh, Hashem told Moshe, and he said Yaakov was teaching them that the, here's the order, you're going to follow it, and and it's important to have this order. It's important to be able to do things respectfully and orderly, even when under pressure. And that obviously is a main main way the Talmud says you can tell who someone really is in three situations. Koso, Bikiso, and Bikaso. By his kos, his cup, meaning when he gets drunk, a little inhibited, you in, in, inebriated, you, you see uh, who he really is. Um, kiso means uh, wallet, but it means when it comes when money's involved and money can can get a person on edge. And kaso when a person's a little excited, a little angry. And and that that's when a person's colors uh, truly shine. I, shine. I know very often I have talked to my friends about this. You know, when you uh, when you're younger and you don't necessarily have so much responsibility or almost any responsibility except for yourself. A lot of younger people, myself included, you know, you kind of think, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm cool, calm, and collected. No, no, nothing can frazzle me. I, I, I'm cool as a cucumber. And, and then they, they start taking on different responsibilities in life. And then they're like, they almost surprise themselves. Like, whoa, I'm getting stressed out here. You know, whoa, 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 it's just challenging. And and the point is that that's actually what life's about. Life isn't about, you know, having, you know, setting. I know what, you know, when I was the, you know, Yeshiva Bakr, you have a rough day. So you don't want to talk to anybody. So you just don't talk to anybody. You just, you know, lock yourself in your dorm room or just go for a walk. And, 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 and uh, but when you have responsibilities and you're dealing with people or you have things you got to do, you just got to do them. So uh, that 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 uh, and that's where a person really can develop, and uh, people can and people feel that. Uh, I know many people uh, they really get impressed or they feel respect and love for people when they see them in challenging situations and they still are able to hold um, to hold their own. Just an interesting side point. So one of the things it discusses in the parsha. Is that it talks about how the the, uh, the Levium, Levites one of the things they did is they had to transport the tabernacle during the all these travelings. It was a major uh, the whole the whole thing. You had a huge 
building and it had to be taken apart and everything. It was, it was a big deal. So the most prestigious job was given to Levite's, Levi's second son, the family of Kahas. So the question when asked, why is the most prestigious job going to the second son? Makes sense to go to the older one. They say, well, because the, the second son's family, Kahas, uh, Moshe and Aaron were from that. So that, so that, 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 that makes sense. But the question is, if you think about it, what what was the what was the job that they got that was considered so prestigious? The the prestige was that they had the privilege of carrying the aram, carrying the the ark. Now, what was unique besides that it was the you know the most sacred item the Jewish people ever had is that. It, they didn't get a wagon. You know, generally speaking, things were transported with wagons, famous wagons. But the, the, uh, the, the ark had to be carried. It had poles. They actually carried it. So, what's, and now on the one hand, that's a privilege. On the other hand, that's a lot of work. You know, they did a lot of traveling in the desert. So, the uh, I forgot who says it, but the idea is we see from here a life lesson that it's a great honor uh, to ha- have the opportunity to work hard. Now, there are people who would who are, don't have a job, or aren't happy with their job, or aren't happy with certain things in their life, and if they would have the opportunity to work hard, period. Or certainly to work hard at certain things, they they would jump for that. You know, we all have things in our life like that, I'm sure. But sometimes we forget, and we like to go to the path of um, of uh, least resistance. You know, this is actually the way relationships are formed. You know, when you when you the more the more you put in, you know, speak to anyone who has accomplished or has achieved anything in anything in life, just about anything. A value comes with hard work, and obviously, we're here to be tested. So we gravitate. You know, we have to be, have tests. So we have to. We always realized that and felt that. Then we would just do it. But that, that's something to keep um, to keep front and center. Let's share one more idea. I'll probably, probably have another idea, but let's try with this last idea. You know, the Torah takes a lot of time, as you mentioned already, a lot of time to tell us all the details of all the traveling, something that we'll never meet. You know, the Torah generally is there as a lesson, not just a storybook. There are things that we can learn from. You know, what the Jews had to do in the desert, the traveling formation is not relevant for future generations in the slightest. It's, it's, there's nothing, just not. So... Why take all this time to share us all the details? So imagine you have a fast food restaurant and they get an order on the phone and the owner takes a little crumpled up piece of paper and he jots down the uh, order and puts it on the counter. Then he takes another order, but the 
and he and he um, puts another piece of paper down. Then the next guy comes, and then, and you know, the chef takes the pieces of paper, and ends up happening is no one gets their right orders. They get too spicy, too sweet, the wrong thing. In order to run a business, in order to do most things successfully, there needs to be a structure. You know, that's how we have traffic lights, we have rules, we have laws. You know, the Torah here is emphasizing the point. The same thing applies to spirituality. A lot of times there's this there's this uh, element which wants to think that, you know, in every area of our life, there's there's, there's, for, there's structure, there's formality, there's there's realities, there's the way things work. There's a certain deference people have to people who are trained in that field. People go to doctors, people go to finance advisors, con- construction. And even though, obviously, none of those people are infallible, but there's a concept. I'm going to go to someone who has a greater knowledge of something. And sometimes when it comes to spirituality, there's this piece, which makes sense because you know, we're supposed to be challenged, that like, oh, you know, I'm just going to have, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to just do it the way I feel because it's spiritual. And they wonder, well, they don't wonder, the person can fool themselves. I think they're going about it in a smart way. But really, there's like anything else in the world. There's a way. There is a way to grow. And there is a structure. And it's called 613 mitzvos. Things to do at certain times. Things to not do at certain times. Things to never do. Things to sometimes do. Things to do in certain ways. And and that's uh, where a person is structured. A person can focus and raise themselves to reach uh, a person's potential. And everyone knows this concept. But we know for some half, sometimes, somehow, we're able to take concepts which we know are true for everything in life and kind of just push them to the side for the most uh, for the most important things. You know, this is, this, there's so many good examples of this. And there's the famous quip, you know, don't agonize, organize. You know, people today, it's probably a billion-dollar business. You know, every business today hires consultants. Consultants, basically what they do is to help you get organized. Organize your thoughts, organize your systems. And the Torah, if a person takes their life seriously, then they will do that. They will do that. But it's hard. It's very hard because if it was easy, then uh, it wouldn't be so important. Um, Okay. I think that's going to be it. Let me just think. One more short idea. I'll just I'll leave you with this because I don't think next Thursday night is going to be Yantiv. So, Shavu is, is just, you know, unfortunately, if you Google it, I think you'll come up that it's a minor Jewish holiday. And we know that's the farthest thing from the truth. It's one of the three big ones. It's considered, the Jewish people have a Three legs, meaning a stool on three legs. Three legs, each leg, just important. You have Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. Now, there's not all this 
people think, well, there's, you know, there's no, you know, there's so much more work with Sukkot and Pesach. Well, you know what? If you think about it, this is a spiritual holiday. And God gave us the, um, as we said, there's a structure. We don't, ha- we don't have, we're not weighed down with all those extra work that you have to do the Sukkot and Pesach so we could spend the 49 days between Pesach and Shavuos working on ourselves, preparing ourselves. And we have a week left, um, and we discussed so many times during this class how uh, one of the main ways to get ready for the Torah is to work on one's character. And but there also obviously a person has to recognize there there also is you know there's there's value, there's tremendous more than value. There's it's 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 uh it's it to know our our point in this world and how to live our lives. We got that on. Shruis, we got the Torah, without the Torah, without, and Shruis is how we know that this book is from God. If you don't know if it's from God, then it's no different than any other book. Just saying, maybe an interesting, fascinating book, but if it's written by people, it really is a very little significant. So let's get ready for that, and have a beautiful Shabbos, and thanks for listening to this, when and wherever you listen to the Rabbi Carpenter Shabbos.